0: On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Oh, nothing happened last week, right? Especially when we stopped recording, right? Nothing new, nothing new to report. Welcome in, everybody. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio. You can join in on the show. 855 616 1620 is the call and text line. Or you can tweet me at Dom underscore Catronio, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. As last week, as soon as we lifted the record, now, remember, we were on Tuesday last week because of Thanksgiving, and then literally 30 minutes after we popped off the air, we got the news that Hunter Renfro was traded to the Angels for three pitching in projects is the way i would put it. They're not all prospects, but three projects on the pitching side of things for the Brewers. We're going to talk what that return is, but the big focus of today's show is money. Money, 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 money. We're talking payroll. We're talking extensions. We're talking what the outlook is for 2023's payroll. What do we expect at the winter meetings as things start, you know, really picking up next week. This time next week, Major League Baseball's landscape is going to look very, very, very different. A ton of stuff goes down at the winter meetings. I've been to a handful. They are interesting. I'll get more into that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, We're going to talk about what the Brewers need to do in these winter meetings and what Matt Arnold has on his wish list and what they need to figure out, what I think they need to figure out as well. And I will get some MLB headlines. And of course, today, we mourn the loss of Hall of Famer Gaylord Perry today, so we'll Give you a quick little history lesson on that for the folks who don't know. Again, if you want to chime in, 855-616-1620. We're also going to talk uh the, the giveaways that were revealed uh for the the at least the first list of giveaways here for the 2023 season. And oh, by the way, the uh, clubhouse sale is happening starting tomorrow morning. If we want to go get some mega discounted merch from the brewers, some uh, you know holiday gifts, if you will. You can stop by tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. We'll give you the full list on how all that goes down for the Brewers' clubhouse sale. So let's talk the Hunter Renfro deal. Why did the Brewers trade Hunter Renfro? Money. It it comes down to it. And he even admitted it, too. He saw it coming in his uh, rounds with the media after the fact. He knows when he was traded to the Brewers that this was going to be a situation that he had to be prepared for. So he is not surprised in the slightest. He had a good year. I mean, I'm calling it 30 home runs because he was hurt twice this season. So, 29 home runs and 125 games. You figure he just has one fewer stint on the IL. He reaches 30 homers. He had a 255 average. He had a 492 slugging along with a uh, 315 on-base percentage. His weighted, run, re, weighted runs created plus was 124. If you don't know what that is, 100 is league average. Anything above 100 is good. Anything below 100 is bad. So, he was 24 points better than league average. The thing that everyone freaked out about when they first saw it, they weren't going to re-sign Hunter Renfro after next season. right? He's going to be a free agent heading into the 2024 season. He was owed, projected, about $11 million this coming arbitration. They're saving money, and I know what you're saying. Um, He was one of their best home run hitters, he plays solid defense in right field. What are you talking about? Why are you okay with this guy leaving? Because the Brewers are changing their strategy for 2023. They're not going to be the home run or bust team that we saw the last really two seasons, really season and a half. I would say since the all-star break of 2021, the Brewers have been a home run or bust team. They're changing that. They want to give, they have a surplus of outfielders on the way. They want to give them playing time. They're getting faster now, too. They need to find a way to get these guys in the lineup. You look at, yes, Yell is just in left field, but it is a wide-open outfield. Tyrone Taylor is not guaranteed to be the opening day center fielder. Garrett Mitchell is certainly going to be in that hat. Joey Weimer, does he have a chance to make some loud noise at camp and force his way onto the 40-man and onto the roster? Or do you stick with Este Ruiz in right? Do you stick with Tyrone Taylor in right? Is Keston here going to continue to get reps in the outfield? The Brewers have a surplus in the outfield as far as guys that they are excited about and guys that are cheaper as the Brewers normally operate. And I know what you're thinking, Dom, it's 29 homers. This guy was the leading hitter on the team. I get that. I totally get that. The Brewers are banking on having more guys hit over 260 next season. Because again, Renfro hit 255 in 125 games. The Brewers are shifting to a on-base, speed, stolen-base type team. With a few home runs, of course, with Rowdy Tellez, with Willie Adamas, those sort of guys. But if they can find more playing time for the guys that they want to make room for, and oh, by the way, your number one prospect in the organization and a number five prospect in all of baseball is an outfielder, Jackson Churio. He's not going to be in the big leagues next year, but he could be knocking on the door in 2024. So... The Brewers are okay with this move. I'm okay with this move. Let me tell you about the new guys. You also may have seen uh, the Blake Perkins signing. It's a minor league deal. More on that a little bit. And uh, we're going to get into the three pitchers that came back coming up here in the next segment. Then we're going to get into some money talk here coming up as well. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Brewers Weekly on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Okay, let, let's look at the return, let's talk about the transaction calendar, let's talk about Hunter Renfro's deal, and then we're going to get into some money coming up in just a little bit. Who the heck are these guys? I'm Dominic Catronio. Welcome in. You can join in, 855-616-1620. You can call, you can text, you can tweet, at dom Catronio. Who the heck are the guys that the Brewers just acquired for Hunter Renfro? If you've never heard of them, I don't blame you, because I had to do some, some serious... Uh searching, some texting some friends, trying to figure out wait, who 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 is this? I don't call them prospects. There is one prospect, Adam Seminaris. He won't be in the big league roster this year. Matt Arnold believes all, all three of these guys, all three are pitchers, may make an impact on the team in some way or shape what way, shape, or form this coming season. You you look at the return, you look at the numbers, like really? You see this. You know, nothing crazy, nothing flashy as far as AAA or even, you know, big league numbers. All three of these guys, or at least two of the guys, have only had cups of coffee in the big leagues. So again, Adam Seminaris is the prospect. He's probably going to spend the whole year in the minor leagues. Jansen Junk is like a fringe seventh man of the rotation right now. He'll probably go to AAA. And Elvis Piguero, a hard throwing sinker baller. Who is going to be bound for the bullpen? I don't know if he makes the team out of spring training. That remains to be seen, based on his performance. Because remember, the Brewers have to do a handful of a non-roster invitees in the bullpen coming down to Maryvale this year, and you also got a couple of guys that you added to the 40-man roster that you know are going to get a look this coming spring training, as far as what can they bring to the table. The guys like uh, Cam Robinson. Uh, you still got Tre- Trevor Kelly on the 40-man. Uh, JC Mejia, who missed most of last season due to suspension. Lucas Erceg is a non-roster invitee, the former second-rounder into a pitcher now, former third baseman. But let's talk about these guys in particular. Let's start with Jansen Junk. Junk, right-hander. Like I said, he gives depth. He's 26 years old, originally signed by the Yankees uh, in the 22nd round back in 2017, you look at his numbers in 2022, nothing really jumps out at you. He made 19 total appearances, 16 of them in AAA, and 17 starts as well, but he didn't throw that many innings. He only threw 81 innings, or 82 innings, beg your pardon, this year. Not a massive strikeout guy. He does have good control, though. Less than three walks per nine innings, he averaged about 1.82 for his minor league career. He has pitched in the big leagues in both 2021 and 2021. And 2022 with the Angels hasn't pitched particularly well, but the Brewers see him potentially as a project, something that they can get excited about. Given there's not a rush for Jansen Junk to, you know, be on this roster, just like with Adam Seminaris. Seminaris seems to be the main get of this trade. Seminaris, good control. He's left-handed. You know how much uh, lefties. Play well. You know, if you're left handed and you can throw, you're going to have a job for a long time. He's only 24. He has not made it to the Bigs yet. He spent high A, double A, AA, and triple A time this year. Tops out at like 92, but he's somebody that, as Eric Longenhagen says on Fan Graphs, somebody that could be, you know, the back end starter or a long reliever does not walk. Anybody really all that often. It did balloon a little bit this year to 10%, which Long and Hagen feels it will return back down to his normal 5%. Fastball, slider, change up, curveball, pretty standard mix. As Long and Hagen puts in his write up, with Milwaukee's track record for the pitching development, it's understandable that the team would be happy to add three depth pieces and get to work in trying to unlock something extra. Let's be honest, the Brewers after 2024. There's not much on the books right now. Depends on what happens with Burns and Littrell. We're talking about that in the next segment. But Peralta will still be a Brewer. Ashby will still be a Brewer. You would think Ethan Small is probably going to rebound at least at some point since he had a really atrocious end of the season last year. You also got to figure out how does uh, Tyson Miller is another guy I haven't even mentioned yet who was acquired off waivers from the Rangers just past November. They, they're trying to find long game projects right now for one-year deals. Look, it's one year of Hunter Renfro. I pointed out to people all the time. The greatest fleece of all time, Josh Fields for Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, Josh Fields was traded for Jordan Alvarez in 2017. Nobody know who the heck Jordan Alvarez was. It was for one year of Josh Fields at the deadline to the Dodgers. Yeah, Alvarez was a Dodger. Imagine that. How brutal would the National League, not that it's not brutal now, but if they had Alvarez too. So sometimes these trades we can't grade in the moment, given you're letting a guy walk after one year anyway, you might as well make sure you get something back. And it doesn't have you know, the pow, headline, oh my gosh, top prospect coming back for Hunter Renfro. But who knows if Hunter Renfro was even going to get that return back. He strikes out a lot. He honestly plays pretty average defense in right field. Everyone gets enamored with the arm. Doesn't have a lot of range. Think about how many fly balls that you were kind of holding your breath on, especially going back to the wall. So I understand. You can be frustrated. You can think, oh, my gosh, the Bruce are so cheap. What's going on? And then you see they sign a minor leaguer, Blake Perkins. I got a tweet about this as well, asking, who the heck is Blake Perkins? Why would you sign Blake Perkins after trading Hunter Renfro, Well, it's not a straight-up change. And the offseason doesn't end today. Uh, it comes from Jake. Uh, so, Jake, what I would say to this, Blake Perkins' is depth. And we talk about how much you want to see the kids play this coming season, the outfielders, you know, the Freelicks and the Terangs and the Weemers and the Mitchells and the Dia- and the Ruizes. So, when they move up to the big leagues, there's going to be a gap in AAA, so they need somebody to play the outfield in AAA, and that's what Blake Perkins will be. So, don't read too much into it. He's depth, just like Singleton being added to the 40-man was depth. So don't panic. It's not meant to replace Hunter Renfro. Okay, you, you clicked here to talk money. Let's talk some money. Coming up next, we're talking the current payroll, my potential extensions, what to know, and uh, what this winter meetings is going to look like. Coming up on your home with the Brewers, WTMJ. Let's talk some cash. I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Brewers Weekly. you want to join in on the show, 855-616-1620. That's our WTMJ hotline. Again, 855-616-1620. We do want to hop to the lines right now. Charlie, you want to talk a little cash with us? What's on your mind tonight on Brewers Weekly?
1: Hi, Dominic. Thanks for taking my call. Um... I just got a few thoughts. It's very early in the off season. We got the uh, winter meetings coming up and they've saved a little bit of money. And obviously they got to spend some of that money. So I'm anxious to see what they get back. But I must admit so far, the moves don't thrill me too much. Um, I guess I was very surprised that they protected Singleton. I didn't see that coming at all. Um, and I thought they would let Wong go. There's $10 million and, you know, the odds are pretty strong though they trade them, I guess. So if they do, they sign them and then, or, and then trade them. I can see that. But I guess a little frustration with, uh, you know, not to talk small market, big market, because, you know, the Brewers have done pretty well as of late the last few years. But, you know, when you, when you trade a guy at the end of the, you know, he's going in his last year of free agency and you trade him at the trade deadline and the other team gets him for two months, your back is against the wall. You don't get a real lot, perhaps. But now they traded Renfro as a year left. And boy, it doesn't sound like they got much. You know, most of the reading with the pitches, and you never know. Uh, But then they traded Hayter with a year, basically a year and a half. And I thought, wow, you know, if they trade him, I could see it coming somewhat. But you're going to get at least one really, really good player. You got to get one back for him. And hopefully Gasser maybe makes it in a couple years. But. It just almost feels like that small market, the big market's got you backed into a corner. Yeah. They know you can't, you know, and I'm scared now with Burns and Woodruff. So just your thoughts on that, Dominic. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you got it, Charlie. So when, when it comes to the hater trade, I still think Ruiz has a chance to be a really good player. And he mentioned Gasser as well. Gasser is a guy I forgot to mention in the last segment as far as this Depth and projects go that get into the pitching lab and see what you can create out of those type of guys. But let's talk cash. And Charlie started right at the start of that question or statement with the savings. Let's start with the savings that are projected right now for the Brewers. And they're not done saving, in my opinion. I still think Colton Wong is a very strong candidate to be traded and save another $10 million. As it looks right now, $22 million is off the books as it looks right now. From last year, you're not bringing back Andrew McCutcheon. He signed for eight point five. You're not bringing back Hunter Renfro. Uh, he last year he was seven point six. He was due probably somewhere in the ten to eleven million dollar range this year. You're not bringing back Omar Narvaez as of now. More on that later. He made five million dollars last season, and then you have Jace Peterson probably not coming back one point eight million dollars. So saving twenty two million right there. Oh, oh, by the way, Brent Suter three million dollars projected. So there's some cash. Distribute around. As it looks right now, I went ahead and scoped out what I think the 28 man roster will look like on opening day. Remember, you get two extra guys for the first month of the season. So it shakes out to about hundred and two million dollars. 102, 110, depends on how arbitration goes. On opening day last season, that cash was 132 million dollars. So, again, about 105 to 110 as it's projected right now. That's including arbitration to 132 last season. So, you're saving somewhere between 20 and 30 million right there as well. That's where these signings have come in. So, let's say another 10 million comes off the books and you trade Colton Long. You're under $100 million committed for this coming season. And that's including the projected arbitration. We're going straight up arbitration, guys. And you look at the outfield, there are so many league minimum deals, even in the bullpen as well. You're going to see league minimum or barely above league minimum for Tyrone Taylor, Estee Ruiz, Garrett Mitchell, uh, Peyton Henry, Mario Feliciano, Trevor Kelly, Cam Robinson, uh, Peter Strezlecki, Justin Topa, Javi Guerra, Jake Cousins. These guys are going to be making less than a million dollars. So the Brewers have a lot of money to spend, especially in the, you know, in the position player market. If they get rid of Wong, they have to figure out, okay, who's going to play second base? Is it going to be Terang? Do you keep Arias at third? Does Hira get some appearances in there? Right now, they have $33 million projected to be committed to their infielders. Colton Wong has $10 million of that, a third of it. So let's say he's off the books. Bryce Terrain playing second. There's a big savings. Oria stays at third. Adama's going to get close to $10 million in arbitration this year. Then Hira projected to make about $2 million in arbitration. This is a make or break year for Keston Hira. He's out of options, so he's probably going to be on the opening day roster. You need to figure out what you're doing with this $25 million. And maybe it's $35 million if they do trade Colin Wong. My number one spot that I would want to get... I, you need to improve the power at third base. Now that the first baseman market is absolutely blown up with Rizzo getting 20 million a year and Jose Abreu getting 19 million a year from the Astros, I'm sorry. I know I wanted Jose Abreu. I did not want Jose Abreu for three years and $19 million at age 36. Kudos to the Astros. Go spend the cash. Very much a Lorenzo Kane deal. We're going to pay for the two peak years or the pay for the early peak year, and then eat it in the last year. That's what I think is going to happen with that Jose Abreu deal. But you need more pop at third base, because look, Orias is not a fast base runner at all. He doesn't fit this model of what the Brewers are going toward. This outfield of speed, Yelich can still run. Uh, Adamas even stole you know double-digit bases last season. They need to find is it going to be a, a shocker like a Justin Turner? Do you get a utility like a Does you mean Yuli Gurriel did not hit for any power at all this year? He's a first baseman anyway. The Brewers need to find a way to get some pop on the corners that isn't just Rowdy Tellez. Josh Bell, I think, still can be considered, but like we just said, the first baseman market was absolutely destroyed by those two deals with Abreu and Rizzo's deals. So he's going to be expecting to make somewhere in the eighteen to twenty million dollar range. He's going to want multiple years at third base. I mean, Justin Turner is available. Are you worried about being 38 years old? You look at Brandon Drury. He had a really good flash in the pan with the Padres when he was traded from the Reds. Maybe you're going to get a little more playing time from Mike Brosso. Maybe you saw that headline today. Avoids arbitration. Signs for $1.4 million. So that's locked and loaded. He is set and avoid arbitration. There is money to spend. There really is. And the offseason doesn't end tonight. It doesn't end when the winter meetings end. It's going to go all the way to spring training. Think about how many late signings we've seen in February by the Brewers. We're like, wow, they wouldn't got this guy at the very, very end of it. Just because you don't see the vision now, we're going to look back in February and really see what it is. Now, I will say, if nothing happens, if they just straight up slash payroll, right? Let's say they trade Wong, and there's nothing else added. You have to get an extension, period, end of story. There will be no excuse. There will be, I mean, it would be ugly if you make all these savings and then don't do anything with it. Matt Arnold has made it very clear. We are headed to the playoffs. They are not tearing down. They are not rebuilding. That's what he said publicly. So put it up. Keep Woodruff, keep Burns, keep Adamas. We're going to talk about those guys coming up next. Your texts, your calls as well. 855-616-1620. The Brewers have $25 million to play with. And that's before if they decide to trade Colton Long. There is money to spend, and it might be happening next week at the winter meeting. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. This is Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Rolling along on the show on this chilly Thursday night. I'm Dominic Catronio, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 is our WTMJ talk and text line. I got a text here from Rick, a couple of them, talking about the $25 million in savings we just spent the last segment talking about. Even with that $25 million to play with, you have to find talent in order to win games. How is this going to happen when talent is probably already secured for other teams in the future? It's a fair take. Comparing, and contrasting, he also says the Brewers offseason to Major League teams, you still have to win games to make it to the playoffs. Remember? Expanded playoffs. Brewers are still technically only one game out of the playoffs last year, and everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. They're not that far off. The problem is, and I think a lot of folks feel the same way, if The Brewers make these trades, right? Let's say Colton Long leaves. They've already traded Renfro. They've let Suter go. The Brewers, on paper, have not gotten better this season. This offseason, I should say. So something inspirational needs to happen for the Brewers. Needs proof of money being spent or a big altering trade being done. Going after it. Proving that you want to keep this window open while you have Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Willie Adamas under team control for two more years. Let's talk about some extensions to those guys. This is the money episode, after all. I want to start with Willie Adamas because the shortstop market is really weird. It's very top-heavy. It's going to get reset again this offseason. Look, Willie Adamas is not a $30 million-a-year shortstop. He knows that. You know that. But he's probably the best of the rest, meaning a lot of teams would love to have him. But he's not going to be $30 million a year. So you look at the Trey Turners of the world and the Carlos Correas of the world and the Xander Bogarts, they're going to be making $30 million. You can't compare Willie Adamas to those guys. What you want to compare a Willie Adamas deal to, you, you look at Trevor Story's deal, granted played in a hitter's paradise, and you look at J.P. Crawford's deal. Willie will enter free agency when he's 29 years old. All depends on what he does between now and free agency, of course. Dansby Swanson is really going to set his market. Because Dansby Swanson and Willie Adamas... Have very similar career profiles to this point. Almost the same batting, uh, baseball reference war. I would argue that Willie's a better defender, even though Dansby was nominated for a gold glove. The gap between the top and the bottom is huge, but the gap between Dansby and Willie is not very big. So, whatever Dansby gets this year is probably going to where you're going to start with Willie Adamas in two years because contracts always tend to go up anyway. You know, you guys are going to be adding value as long as something bad doesn't happen. When you look at Willie, what I would offer him, you're concerned about the strikeouts. He knows it. He wants to get his batting average up this coming season. I wonder how no shifts are going to impact him this year. He had a really bad Woba against the shift last year. And I want to see him go oppo more. He really didn't go oppo at all last season, especially with the opposite field power. Think, Look at his spray chart. From 2021 to 2022, at how many opposite field and straightaway center home runs he hit in 2021? Whereas last season, it felt like every home run went to left center field. So I'd be looking somewhere in the 18 million to 20 million dollars a year range. Let's say you give it to him for five years, 20 million a year, 100 million dollars shortstop. I don't see why he wouldn't take that turn that down. Especially right now, buying out two years of arbitration and trying to expand this window, it's going to start somewhere in the sixteen to twenty million dollar range. And quite frankly, I think sixteen is going to be a little too low for Willie Adamas. Let's go to a Brandon Woodruff extension. Woodruff, I think, would be a great pick. I am worried about fastball velocity for flamethrowers. You know, the aging curve. Father Time is undefeated. He's thirty now. He's going to be thirty-two when he enters free agency. It's currently worth fifteen wins on Baseball Reference. It's really rare to make over $20 million a year when you're over the age of 31. So the Brewers have that going for them. However, his resume is pretty darn good. Two-time opening day starter. He's been top five in the Cy Young Award. He's been your all-star. He's also been very healthy. For a guy that throws as hard as he throws, as many innings as he throws, he missed time, obviously, last year with the ankle issue and the Raynaud's syndrome. But he knows how to control it now. It's not... Ligament damage. It's not like Tommy John surgery. It's not shoulder capsules or anything like that. So that's really encouraging. But will velocity tick down and impact his future toward the end of whatever extension that Brandon Woodruff would sign? I want to compare a couple of contracts. Hyunjin Ryu, ahead of the pandemic in 2020, at the age of 32, which is the same that Brandon Woodruff will be when he enters free agency. Signed for eighty million million, four four years, 20 million a year. He was kind of the exception to the rule. Now, he's been hurt a ton since going to the Blue Jays. You see where the trepidation comes in. Like, ah, once you get past 32, something happens, man. Not quite healthy. Body doesn't recover as fast. Not everybody can be Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer. But then you look at Hugh Darvish. 2018 with the Cubs, 31 years old. He signed for $21 million a year over six years. That's $126 million. It's a lot of cash, but you, Darvish, very similar profile to Brandon Woodruff. Flamethrower. The velo hasn't disappeared. Very healthy. Sound mechanics. I could see, you know, if Woodruff is on the trajectory that he's on right now, especially what he did in the second half of the season, he's going to get more and more expensive and try to push that $20 million barrier for pitchers over the age of 30. So that might be where it starts. And one last one, Madison Bumgarner, he got 17 million a year in 2020 as a 30 year old with very clear evidence that he wasn't going to be able to sustain what he was doing with the Giants. So he's gonna Woodruff, if he continues what he's doing, is gonna make more than Madison Bumgarner. You're not gonna get him less than 17 million a year after what Bumgarner's been going through. I think you give him right on the nose, five years, twenty million dollars, pretty similar to what I gave Willie Adamas because I mean the war is obviously the same, but they're different value. Maybe you sweeten it a little bit probably going to defer the money too, by the way. That's something the Brewers are known for. And finally, Corbin Burns. What would I do with Corbin Burns? Whew. This is the expensive one. This is the one that is going to be a hard time to keep. He's 28 now. He's going to be 30 when he enters free agency. The sweet spot, entering your prime. If you're not already in it, he just won a Cy Young two years ago. He's only worth 10 wins on baseball reference, but yet almost 15 wins on fan graphs. There are 20 starting pitchers making $20 million a year on average right now. 14 of those 20 pitchers were signed at 30 or younger. That's what he's rolling into right now. Corbin Burns, that is. He's also the only pitcher in the top seven for three straight years in Cy Young voting. I don't see why that trend isn't going to stop next season. You're paying for whiffs. You're paying for strikeouts. It's the most valuable commodity in sports. Can you make the batter miss, and can you throw strikes? That is what Corbin, Bun- Corbin Burns does better than almost anybody. There's no major injury history there, too. Are we worried about the home runs with Corbin Burns? That's, that's kind of nitpicking. Point is, the dude's going to be expensive. And if Zach freaking Eflin can get $13 million a year for three years from the Rays, Corbin Burns is about to get paid in a couple of years. Zach Wheeler, 2019, with a massive injury history, mind you. He got $23 million a year for five years with a massive Mets injury history. Robbie Ray, coming off as Cy Young last year, he got $115 million. That's $23 million a year as well for five years from the Mariners. He's a league average pitcher when he signed that deal. His ZRA plus, 100. Gordon Burns is better than that. Luis Castillo signs his extension with the Mariners last year, 29 years old. Five years, $108 million. That's $21.6 million. But there are escalators. There are stipulations. There are performance incentives that can make it much, much richer for Castillo. Because his numbers are pretty close to what Corbin Burns has done in his career. A 125 ERA plus, 19 wins above replacement, according to Baseball Reference. Of course, Burns is only at 10 wins. But Castillo has more innings by about 150 innings. So really a full season more. I think that's where you're gonna be looking. You're gonna be looking into the twenty-two to twenty-four million dollar range. And depending on how these next two years go for Burns, he's gonna definitely surpass twenty-five million. And that's where I think he gets too rich for the Brewers blood, given how much they're paying Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich is practically, you know, a quarter of the payroll right now, twenty-two million a year. If the Brewers going to make a trade, they're gonna do something crazy. They're gonna to try to attach Yelich. If they're going to get burns, if they're going to give away burns, they're going to try to attach Yelich to it or some way, shape, or form. But I don't think that's going to happen. Granted, I said I didn't think they were going to trade Josh Hader, and then, then what happened? So maybe I just gave it the kiss of death. Who knows? Uh, a couple of texts coming in here, one from Rusty. Sounds like the crew's going back to small ball. I agree. Speed, stealing bases, hit and run. Last summer he called in saying the Brewers are doing this to go in for the long, uh, going all in for the long ball. But that person answered my call and said, statistically, small ball doesn't work. Long ball is the answer. What changed? I think I answered that, Rusty. The way I look at it, timely small ball is what I called it at the time. Timely small ball comes in when you're not asking me. Hunter Renfro dropped a couple of bunch last year. I'm like, look, I'd rather see Hunter Renfro swing the bat. But Estee Ruiz, dude, your speed's your best tool. Drop a bunt. Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freelich, put the ball in play and move. To be table setters, I'm not asking Willie Adamas to drop bunts. I'm not asking Roddy Telez to drop bunts. To be on base for the damage guys. That's what small ball is. It's not saying, oh, we're not going to hit any omers. It's saying, we're going to get on base by any means necessary to set the table for the big boppers. But thanks for the text there, Rusty. I agree. I think they're going to a more contact-oriented style of play next season. we got more to talk about. Home of the Brewers, WTMJ. That rejoiner just made me miss Coolio, man. Now I'm sad. Why would you do that to me, Justin? Brewers Weekly, 855-616-1620. We're going to the top of the hour. I'm Dominic Catronio. We've talked some money. Winter meetings coming up. Justin Pottinger, producer extraordinaire. Do you know what happens at the winter meetings? I do not. Do you want to know what happens? Sure. All right. Well, basically, stuff. Um, That's the best way I can describe it. So much stuff happens at the winter meetings. More than you can imagine. It's not just the major league side of things. Minor league side, too. So the minor league side, you've got mascots. You've got every little thing that you can think of that you need to put on a baseball season from the minor league perspective or from the summer ball perspective. Northwood League's teams go to see what's going on. Like, it is so massive. I can't quite fathom it. The business of baseball, the business of sport never ceases to amaze me. All these vendors, like Franklin Batting Gloves is there. Then you've got the folks that make the heads for mascots. Then you've got uh, state-of-the-art coding software. Then you've got edutronic cameras. And then you've got maybe just the bunting salesman for the fences. Like, they are all over the place at the winter meetings. But there is baseball that goes down. Uh, Think of it the way I can describe it. Justin, did you live in the dorms in college? I did. So, you know how it's like... Things happen very organically in sure, the dorms. Like All sure. of a sudden, you're, you're hanging out doing homework and studying, and then there's a knock on the door like, hey, we're going out, right? That, that's kind of what the winter meetings is, but for trades, but for f- transactions, for things that happen. Agents are everywhere. Boris always holds court and everything. It's, it's wild how fast some of this stuff can happen. So next week, you're going to see headlines. You're going to see stuff pop up. You're going to see trade rumors. You're going to see hot stove burning. Burning to the touch. Here are my three top targets for the Brewers. Number one, dude, what's going on with Catcher? Is Caratini the answer? Or are they going to stick with Caratini pretty much every day and Mario Feliciano and Peyton Henry? Is that what they're going to do? All right, if that's what they're going to do, they need to put some confidence, get some offense elsewhere. I already mentioned, I want to see some more power from the corners, especially a right-handed power hitter. Uh, I, I look at We talked about third base, naturally, with Justin Turner probably filling in, but you look at maybe some cheaper options for the Brewers, trying to get some right-handed pop. I feel like the Brewers haven't really been connected to J.D. Martinez at all. Now, that's a shot in the dark, but he's not... He had a really bad second half. He's still a good hitter, in my opinion. He torches lefties. He's a DH, though, so it's kind of like an Andrew McCutcheon-type deal again, but... They need right-handed power, especially since they just traded it away with Hunter Renfro. I know what I'm saying there. Like, wait, Dom, you're asking, you're saying you're cool with the Hunter Renfro trade, but then you're asking for right-handed power? No, I, I get it. The last thing I'm looking for is left-handed relief and relief in general. I, I know there's a lot of cheap options here, uh, but almost everybody in this bullpen right now is right-handed. The only lefty is Hobie Milner, and he's a situational lefty. So, a free agent that I want to see the Brewers go after, and I think would be a perfect fit. Two guys, Matt Moore from the Rangers and Andrew Chafin from the Tigers. Two lefties that can get both sides of the, of the uh, plate out, but can throw a full inning. You can have confidence in having them have a leverage seventh or eighth inning and get the job done because the rest of the reliever market is not very good. That could start happening next week. At the crazy, the dorm-style winter meetings, everybody's in the same hotel, everybody's mingling the halls. It's a whole lot of fun. We'll wrap up the show next, saying goodbye to Hall of Famer Gaylord Perry, coming up next. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Getting ready to wrap up the show here, final couple minutes. Our thanks, as always, to Justin Pottinger hitting the ones and twos, our producer here on Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I'm Domino Catronio. Got a couple tech call in as well. Thanks for everybody participating. Same time, same place. Next week, 8 o'clock, right here on WTMJ. Available in podcast form as well. For those asking, they're coming to Spotify soon. For real. This is not a drill. Spotify is happening soon. So it's not just the website and Apple Podcasts, which it will still be, but we will also be available on Spotify very, very soon as well. So very excited for that. As we wrap up the show... Not really Brewers-related, but real quick, uh, in case you missed it earlier today, uh, Hall of Famer, two-time Cy Young Award winner, Gaylord Perry, passed away uh, in South Carolina, 84 years old, one of the best pitchers in the history of baseball. you do anything for 22 years, I admire you. you pitch 22 years in the big leagues, holy cow. 300-game 300 winner, 300 winner, two-time Cy Young winner. He was, at the time, the first pitcher ever. To win the Cy Young in both leagues. He won it with Cleveland in 1972. And then he also won it with the Padres in 1978. Which is ironic given all those years with the Giants. And he did not get the Cy Young. He was the runner up in 1970. Before he ultimately went to Cleveland in 1972. I mean, gosh, some of these seasons. Some of these numbers just don't make sense in today's game. He had five seasons with at least 20 wins. He threw over 2,000 innings. He had over uh excuse me over 5000 innings over 3000 strikeouts we lost one of the greats today Gaylord Perry dead at 82 thank you so much for listening i'm dominic catronia we'll see you next week keep on swinging